0: reading is is from 1st John chapter 4 today it's verse 7 to 21 it's called God's love and ours one another for love comes from God everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God whoever does not love does not know God because God is love this is how God showed his love among us We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the spirit has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother.
1: Sometimes it's great to, to listen to extended um, scriptures like that, right? Because we are so used to... Uh, you know, reading our verse in our whatever our daily bread or or, or whatever we use in the morning, but but uh, sometimes it's good to just hear an expanded and uh, and uh, a longer passage like that. Um, at uh, Cornerstone, um, we live to know King Jesus to grow in his kingdom together, and to show others what kingdom living looks like. Amen? That's why we exist. Now, this uh, weekend, um, a friend and I drove into town to pick up his new car. And uh, he was excited about it, and I was too. And on the way, I asked him, is this car new to you? Or is it new, new? Is it new to you, or is it new, new? And he said it's new. He said it's brand spanking new. That was his phrase. Now, like I mentioned earlier, we've just had Black Friday, and tomorrow is uh, Cyber Monday. There's lots of brand spanking new stuff, even now that may be being shipped to your home. And I like this phrase, brand spanking new, rather than just new, First of all, because I get to say spanking in public, just kidding, but, uh, but, uh, but I think it's, it's, it's more exciting than just saying new, because I think when, when you say brand spanking you, there's like a gleam in your eye, there's, there's an excitement there, there's a quality there that's not there when you just say new. Like my friend talking about his car, it wasn't just new to him or even new, it was brand spanking new. So I want us to to just let our inhibitions go and we're all going to say brand spanking new on a count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Brand spanking new. Now I want you to say it again. I want you to try to mimic my accent and just really get in on that word "spanking" because it's such a good word to say. It just you just feel all these endorphins being released. It's fantastic. So ready, one, two, three. Brand spanking new, awesome. Um, So over these next few weeks, I will be looking at some of the brand spanking new gifts that are ours. Uh, in, the, in fullness and without reservation because of Jesus as we start to unwrap um, as we think about unwrapping our presents for Christmas as, and as we start to wrap up our series on 1 John this is still part of the Looks Like Love series in case you're confused um, We're just rebranding it and giving it a brand spanking new name ready for Advent and for Christmas. And so this morning, we're going to open this uh, brand spanking new present of love. And the verse which we will be really focusing on is, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave himself for us, and in fact, even as I was just hearing Norma read, there's another verse which just leapt out to me, and I won't be actually preaching on it, but I want you to hear it, because uh, it's such an amazing verse, verse 16 of 1 John chapter 4, which says, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. In fact, I actually want to scrap my sermon now and just preach on that, because it's so amazing, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. I won't scrap my sermon. I put too much work into it. But uh, anyway, I'm, um, I'm a cheese fiend. And I love Christmas because of Jesus. But I also love Christmas because I love cheese. And at Christmas, you have these things called cheese boards. And it's like a specially presented cheese extravaganza. Cheddar and Havarti and the Holy Swiss cheese, and spreadable cheese, and the blue cheese. Um, And what's amazing about the cheese board is that, like, a transformation happens. Because on December the 24th, that cheese board was just a chopping board covered in onion juice and tears. But at Christmas, it transforms into this amazing thing called a cheese board. Cheese, and so what we learn from that, this is the first spiritual application of today, is that cheese transforms anything it touches, okay? So you have a grater that becomes a cheese grater, and you have a chopping board that becomes a cheese board, and then you have this funny little knife with these little prongs on the end that that lays in your drawer doing absolutely nothing for 364 days of the year. But then there's that one day when that little knife can smell Christmas in the air and it knows that its time is coming and it waits there very, very patiently. Uh, Because it knows that very shortly a human is going to open that drawer and is going to rummage around, try to find it somewhere in that drawer and it's It's going to pick it up, it's going to stick those prongs into the cheese, and all of a sudden, that funny little knife with prongs on the end is a funny little knife with prongs on the end. No more. It's now a cheese knife. Amazing transformation, transmogrification. And then there's that overpriced cracker selection box from Walmart. Last week, it was a cracker box, but today, all of a sudden, it's biscuits for cheese. Or in French, I checked this with Stacy, so I know my French is good. Biscuit pour le fromage, okay, if you want to get really exotic. Actually, I, I, that's me. That's all me. So cheese changes everything. and So now that I've established how important cheese is and how life-changing, how joy-bringing cheese is, well, imagine with me that it's, it's you know, you've opened the presents, the, you know, you've had the, you know, the family time and the tree and everyone's feeling special. It's, it's already Christmas morning. That's happened. It's now lunchtime. And, uh, and you've eaten food, but you know that the main event hasn't happened yet because the cheese board hasn't arrived. And then someone says, okay, it's now time for the cheese boards to arrive. And then they walk into the kitchen and everyone is waiting there with bated breath, because you know that the cheese board is coming, and you know what you have in your mind's eye when you think of the cheese board. Then they walk out, gonna need my two hands, to much fanfare, Too much salivary glands, working overtime, people wiping the backs of their mouths, uh, with their mouths with the back of their hand, and out comes craft processed singles. Don't spoil my sermon, Andrea. This is not good stuff, or even if you think it is good stuff, this is not cheese. And when this comes out, if you were me, you would most probably run out of the room crying. Crying. Why? Because like I said, craft processed cheese is not cheese. Maybe you could call it cheese-esque or cheese-ish or cheese-like, maybe even cheesy, but it's not cheese. And when John says in verse 10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us, that's what he's saying. Friends, John's saying that the most lovely, loving, lovable thing about you, if you were to place it alongside God's love, it would look like processed cheese singles next to a legitimate cheese board. But what John does is he acknowledges, yes, that what you feel towards God is love, But it's so little and microscopic and puny and infinitesimally small that compared to God's love, it's not love. He says, this is love, not that you loved God. Now, all of the other religions of the world say, say this, that, that what matters most is how much you love God or how much you love each other. And the most important thing that you can do is to try to grow this love inside you um, and to make God love you by showing him how much you love him to earn God's favor. But John says, look, friends, don't even try Instead, put all of your effort into grasping and receiving and understanding God's love for you. Verse 9 says to us this is how God showed his love among us. And what we learn from that is that God's love for us is not just a truth for you to believe, it's an experience for you to experience. And what does God's love look like? Verse 9 tells us he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. In other words, God the Father gave everything for you. Everything, all that was important to him or precious to him, he, he gave up. He sent his one and only son into the world, into your sphere, into your neighbourhood, into first century Roman-occupied Palestine. And this, my friends, is the most extravagant, over-the-top gift ever given. You see, when we measure love by what we can carry in our hearts, when we measure love by the maximum capacity of our tiny little selves, what we end up with is processed cheese. But when we choose to truly believe that God is the measure of love, And that all of the love that he has is aimed at you like a fire hose waiting to drench you and drown you in his love until you can take it no more. When you choose to believe that, then suddenly through faith we have access to this infinite, unlimited, fervent, impassioned love of God for you. Friends, when God thinks of you, when you come to his mind, which is always, he's always thinking of you. When you come to God's mind, he is not unmoved, he's not hesitant, he's not uncertain. What God has in mind when he thinks of you is love. He loves you, and this love is as old as God himself, and it's brand spanking new. Let's watch a short clip from the Big Bang Theory.
2: Got you and Leonard a few silly neighbor gifts, so I'll just put them under my tree. The wait. You bought me a present? Uh-huh why would you do such a thing i don't know because it's christmas oh penny i know you think you're being generous but the foundation of gift giving is reciprocity you haven't given me a gift you've given me an obligation don't feel bad penny it's a classic rookie mistake my first hanukkah with sheldon he yelled at me for eight nights Get me anything in return of course i do the essence of the custom is that i now have to go out and purchase for you a gift of commensurate value and representing the same perceived level of friendship as that represented by the gift you've given me you know what forget it i'm not giving you a present you no know, he's too late i see it that elf sticker says to sheldon <laughs> the die has been cast the moving finger has writ hannibal has crossed the alps <laughs> i know it's funny when it's not happening to us <laughs> Sheldon, I am very, very sorry. No, no, I brought this on myself by being such an endearing and important part of your life. I'm going to need a ride to the mall. It's happening to us.
1: So this shows us a great example of how absurd it is for us to receive God's brand spanking new gift of love and then spend the rest of our lives feeling obliged that we have to pay him back. Reciprocity, when, when, when it comes to God and His love, reciprocity does not exist. That is religion. But the gospel message is so completely other. In sending Jesus as our atoning sacrifice, as verse, tells, verse 10 tells us, He gave us what we can never give, give back. God placed our desperate need for Him over His own desire to keep Jesus close to him this is how much God loves you and God gave us a gift that we that he did not need to he but he sent Jesus freely voluntarily unforced without prompting unreservedly and motivated purely by love and one of the reasons I think that God gave us such an 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 over-the-top extravagant gift was so that we would never be tempted to try to pay him back God wanted to squeeze this um, religious obligation out of us, and he did it by outgiving us by a factor of infinity. This world has never seen a love like this before, this brand-spanking-new gift of love from God to you. And that's why in verse 10, our definition of love is not that we love God, Because there's nothing that we can do or give or sacrifice or promise that will leave God any better off than when we first found him. Romans 11.35 says this, "Who Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. So if, if you think that, that you can add to God by your sincerity or faith or love or gifts, then your God is very small and you have a very inflated view of your own power. Because the truth is that God is never in our debt, that we can never outgive God. And this, and this truth should be one of the most freeing truths that we ever experience. Because when we realize this, that, that, that it's not about reciprocity, then we're set free to simply love God in response. It's a bit like learning how to dance. Okay, it's 1999 and I'm standing in a dark, hazy, crowded room with my friends, and the music is playing, and uh, I am dancing. And I'm dancing really well. I I know that I am. I'm dancing good. I know that I've got rhythm. I've got this natural connection with my brain and my feet. (laughs) And I never even had lessons. I just have this natural feel. I have this mojo. I can see people looking at me, and they're looking at me with this kind of mixture of, Impressedness slash jealousy. And then the song Come On Eileen starts playing and the natural dancer in me just rises to this whole new level. Such confidence, such passion, such skill and flow. So what was the source of my confidence? Where did it come from? Simple. I was drunk. Because if I'm honest, I'm not a good dancer. I see my dad dance and I realize that the apple does not fall very far from the tree. My girls have rhythm, me not so much. But, but there are tons of these reality shows on the TV, right? Dancing with the Stars. In the UK we got Strictly Come Dancing which is kind of the same thing. There's that Canadian ice skating one, right? Battle of the Blades uh, where a hockey player learns to dance with an ice skater. It's great TV. But the whole idea of these TV shows is that you pair someone who's rubbish with someone who's amazing. And then you see that rubbish person gradually improve through, through the season. Things that they weren't able to do at the beginning of the season, they are able to by the time of the finale. But this, this improvement only happens because they are paired with an expert. It's because week in, week out, they're spending time with this person, making mistakes and learning from their mistakes and improving. And that's just like life with Jesus. God invites us into a dance with him. And at the beginning, it's awkward. We have two left feet we mess up time and time again, and we want to take the lead. And whenever we take the lead, we kind of end up screwing up and falling over. And then Jesus reaches down and he lifts us back up again. And so we start again, over and over and over again. But as life goes on, it becomes more and more natural to let him lead and to follow his lead. And so we start to read God's cues, and we start to respond accordingly. We even start to Maybe anticipate him. We are thinking God's thoughts. Our hearts and minds start to get into sync with God. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16 expresses this absolutely beautifully. It says, who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? Okay, rhetorical question. The answer is no one. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But then the verse carries on. But we have the mind of Christ. So friends, as, 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 as we continue this dance with God, as we allow him to lead, as we do this, it's like our spiritual neural pathways get um, rerouted and this kind of spiritual muscle memory starts to kick in. You, you start to have new habits uh, which felt awkward at the beginning but now feel more and more natural. You can do new moves. You start to have the mind of Christ and so if, if you keep getting frustrated that you keep falling and failing and sinning and screwing up, allow God to lift you up and to dust you off. Recommit to allowing him to lead. And if you keep doing this and following his lead in obedience, this leads to this lifelong dance with, with our creator. And that's what verse 11 of 1 John 4 is all about. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, he's invisible, but if we love one another, God lives us, lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So what this looks like in the picture of the dance is that as, as, as we allow God to lead us in this dance with him, we realize that at the same time as he's leading me, he's also leading you in a dance with him. And so when I see you fail or fall, or when you see me fail or fall, we don't... Have to judge each other. We can in, we can encourage each other, and we can know that there, in behind the scenes, God is working, and He's leading, and that we're responding in faith. And it's at this moment, as verse eleven says, or verse twelve, that God's love is is completed. That this, this circle is completed. God loves me, I love you, you love God. God loves you, you love me, and I love God. It just keeps on going and going. And when we realize this, we start to see a phenomenon with the eyes of faith. We we see this reality that God is uh, orchestrating this massive dance with all of his kids it's like a global flash mob made up of people who love Jesus Christ. He's leading us, and we're all following all over the world. And his children are tripping, and they're falling, and he picks them up, and he dusts them off. Um, little toddlers in the faith are kind of standing on his feet as, as he dances. You can see the ones who've been following him for years. They're moving moving gracefully throughout the crowd and as they move it, it looks so so beautiful that it makes people beam with joy as we see them dance and at the same time you you know you see these newbies who are, who are hanging off to the side these wallflowers, or, or or these ones who are woodenly trying to mimic god's moves and it looks awkward and it kind of makes you cringe But then every now and again, you you see one of these seasoned dancers come by and they take these new dancers by the hand and they show them a move or two, slowing things right down so that these new folks don't miss anything. It's absolutely beautiful. And that's what it means in verse 11 for us to love one another. We may not see God but as we do life with each other as we help each other as we mentor each other as we as we come alongside each other the result is this beautiful dance that thrills the heart of God himself amen and this all starts okay with god taking the first step of sending his son as verse 9 shows us and then verse 19 of 1 John 4 tells us that we love because He first loved us. And so w- what we learn in this dance is that God is always the first mover, we are always the responder. That God always has the lead. We are always responding. We love because He first loved us. And then verse 7 says this: Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And then verse 10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave. And so in God, life is a dance in which we respond to God's leading. He's the mover. We are the responders. And as we allow him to lead us, his spirit in and among us confirms in our hearts that we are his. As verse 13 says, this is how we know that we live in him and he lives in us he has given us of his spirit and that's why it's so important for us to love our brothers and sisters to choose love over judgment to choose love over being easily offended because we are the primary means by which god communicates his his love to others chapter 316 says this jesus christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters this Is the dance. This is the gift that God has for us. Now I want you to think as as we wrap up, think about those moments when someone has encouraged you, when someone has spoken into your life. Think about how precious those moments are, how life-giving those moments are. Well, that's that's loving each other. Not to prove our sincerity, but so that God's mission of spreading the hope of the gospel is able to to keep on going and that's why for me that's why I love my grow groups because I need your encouragement and I love so much I posted on social media this week that I'm part of two grow groups which is quite selfish but it shows how much I need it you might just need one but I need two And over this past week, we've had these holy moments in each of the groups. In one of them, we shared from the heart and knew that it was a safe place for us to share. And in the other group, we had this moment of silence, each with tears welling up in our eyes as we looked at each other and knew that God was there. It was amazing that he's leading us in a dance. And for that moment, we were in perfect synchronicity. It was sacred. And so as the worship team comes up, let me wrap up with this idea of this global dance that God is leading us all in. It's the dance of the kingdom. It transcends skin color and gender and nationality and language and socioeconomic status. But the problem is that by nature, we're not part of the dance. We're on the outside looking in. Luke 14 talks about God sending out his servants with, with with invitations. He says to them, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come so that my house may be full. God wants to make dancers out of couch potatoes. He wants to make partiers out of sinners. He wants to make citizens of heaven out of people traveling to hell. But the issue is that we're not able to get into the party because we're stained with sin. It's, it's, it's like when I came back from this four-day hike into the mountains of Wales when I was uh, when I was a teenager, and my parents picked me up and straight away they rolled down the windows in the car. Why? Because I stank, because I hadn't showered. Now I'd like you to imagine someone in that state being invited into the banquet of the king. Would they leap at the chance? The answer is probably not. Because they would be ashamed of their own dirtiness and smelliness. And when God invites you to his banquet, to his dance, to join in his dance, you turn away because you know that you're dirty and smelly with sin. You are ashamed. You you don't want to get up close and personal with God. You don't want him to smell you. You don't want him to see the clothes of sin that you've worn for years. You don't want to see these weeks and months of sin that you've been carrying around with you. You are embarrassed. And so you're there at the entranceway into this, into this banquet hall. And, and as you turn away, you hear someone say, Psst. And over in the shadows, someone beckons you over. And you can see his crown and his clothes. He looks absolutely perfect. You can see that he's the king's son. And he gives you a hug he's happy to see you and so you follow him in faith and he leads you into his apartment he throws you in the shower and the water feels good and you feel the sin and the shame and the stain and the smell wash off you and swirl down the drain it's gone you've never felt this good or this light or this free And then after drying off, you go into the next room where you see him standing there in your smelly clothes. In fact, he now kind of smells a bit. And that's the smell that used to hang around you for years and you didn't even notice. And there on the bed are his clothes, comfortable and classy and clean. And as you look incredulously at this absurd scene in front of you, Jesus says to you, go on, you can put them on. They will fit you absolutely perfectly. And they do, and he then leads you back back to the ballroom, to this banquet hall with this invitation in your hand and his robes of righteousness on you. And as you walk in, God the Father looks at you and he sees you and he says, I've been waiting for you. And he says this with a wink and a smile at his son friends this is what verse 10 means that god sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for your sins this is love not that we loved god not processed cheese but that he loved us and gave everything the entire glorious cheese board and this is brand spanking new love